Last week, on Easter Sunday, we celebrated the miraculous resurrection of Jesus Christ. And his victory, we celebrate his victory over death that proves that he is the true king over everything. And Jesus, I talked about how Jesus' friends and his followers, they were surprised when they first encountered the risen Jesus. And if you read all the gospel stories, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all tell different stories of that first Easter Sunday. In the 24th chapter of Luke, we have the one that a lot of people like. It's called the road to Emmaus. Uh, two followers of Jesus are walking along the road, and Jesus walks alongside of them. They encounter the risen Jesus. They don't recognize him. This is the Sunday a lot of preachers, I've many times preached on the famous Doubting Thomas. You know, Jesus, the risen Jesus, appears to his disciples in a locked room Easter evening. They didn't know how to, what this meant. He showed them his scars and his hands and his feet. And there's something that gets lost sometimes in that version, that story of the gospel, where he encountered his followers in that room, all who were there. And it's from the 24th chapter of Luke. I just want to read these verses and speak on them very quickly. Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. The risen Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the Old Testament scriptures that they grew up with. They knew, they knew them. They didn't understand what they meant to the risen Jesus until Jesus opened their minds. I think how often when I'm reading through God's word, all these hundreds and thousand years later, I'm reading something like, oh, I don't understand what this means. Now sometimes in our worship service, I, I like to have the official prayer for illumination. There's several that we read together asking God to open his word for us as we gather here. How are we supposed to understand everything in God's word looking through the lens of the risen Jesus when the disciples, Jesus stayed with them another 40 days and they still didn't know everything. What if, when we're engaging with God's Word, whatever that looks like for you, whether you have a daily devotion, you read Bible verses, maybe once a week, once a day, maybe you listen to it. However you're engaging in God's Word, what if we ask God, we took just a few seconds to ask God to open our minds so that we could understand His will, what He wants to show us in His Word that day. Something simple. Now, we've been doing a... Daphne did a great job in Marcia doing the uh, repeat after me prayer. So we're going to have a short repeat after me prayer as we prepare to hear God's word. And maybe this will be something you can remember is that when you're encountering God's word, maybe we can ask God to help us. You just repeat after me. Risen Jesus. Risen Jesus. Open our minds. Open our minds. So that we may understand. So that we may your word and will for us today. Amen. Today we're going to talk about how God's love reigns over our past. 
And selection is the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, beginning at the 17th verse. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God still speaking today. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Many of us, many people, we believe that something that happened in our past is a hindrance in our present and our future. And it can be an extremely heaven, heavy burden to bear. When you feel weighed down by something from your past, whatever it is. Sometimes it's choices we make. Sometimes it's stuff that happens that we have no control over. But most of us, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll go first in line. We can point to decisions that we made that if we could go back, we would change them. We would Choose another pathway. Some mistakes happen and they don't have consequences. Sometimes something major happens because of that decision we made. I always think of drunk driving and, you know, I've driven with a few drinks in me and nothing's happened. But how often do we cross the line? You know, it can have devastating people looking at their phone for a split second. It doesn't, nothing happened, but then that one time, something major can happen. And though we cannot change what's happened in our past, even though I know there's things in my past I would like to go back and change, we can ensure that what happened in our past does not control our present and our future. Because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, we don't have to be controlled by mistakes or miscues that happened in our past. The Bible has so many stories of individuals that kind of had shady pasts. Something happened. And they experienced this fresh start because of their interaction with Jesus. I like thinking of Zacchaeus, the, the tax collector who ran to see Jesus and Jesus called him down from the tree. People that Jesus healed. Lazarus he raised from the dead. And in the New Testament, especially, we often hear about the transforming power that comes from the selfless sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. When people placed their trust in Jesus, they were transformed. They were different. They were forgiven. They were made new. And for me, it's Paul, who was Saul, 
before he encountered the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus. But when we place our trust in Jesus, we, it says, we're new. The old's gone. That's what Paul's talking about in our verses today. Therefore, if anyone, anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Now this phrase, in Christ, is used a lot in our New Testament part of the Bible. In fact, Paul uses it over 200 times in his letters. It's a way to show this connection with Jesus, being united with Jesus. And when we're united with Christ, we should have this transformation, we should experience a transformation that makes us new. But the truth is, in order for this newness to become a reality, the old has to be removed. Now, God wants to remove all that old stuff, the old parts of our life that aren't aligned with his will, the parts that cause us pain and suffering, whether it's our mistake or not, a failure, whatever it is, when God's love reigns in us, it overpowers the whole of all the old things that used to affect our living today. However, we need to be cleaned up. Space made for the new things that God wants to do in our lives. I'm sure many of you are fans of the show Fixer Upper, and they made kind of famous the word, the phrase demo day. We're going to have demo day. And I know Scott used to rehab houses, and he, he, I'm sure, you know, you have the demo day. And even if you do work at your house, it's where you tear out all the old stuff. You tear out all the old stuff to make room for the new stuff. When God comes into our lives through our faith in Jesus, he's not just simply overlooking that stuff that happened before. So I'm not going to look at that. Instead, he forgives it. And he wants to remove it. So it doesn't have power over us anymore. We confess our past to Jesus in order to experience the radical forgiveness that comes from him. And then we become new, a new creation. We go from telling lies to speaking truth, from being selfish to being selfless, from spreading gossip to offering encouragement, and from burning with anger to being filled with joy that overflows. When we remodel the house, it's important. When we have something that's old and rotten, let's say the floor has water damage and it's weakened, we're just not going to put down new vinyl over top of it. If there's mold in the paint, or in the floor, in the, in the plaster, in the drywall, we're not just going to paint over it, we're going to tear it out. Because if we don't, that old rotten stuff is going to come back and haunt us at some point. When we try to live, okay, I know I'm a new creation, Lord. While we're still holding on to some of that stuff in our past, some of the stuff that isn't, we know is not aligned with God's will, we end up feeling frustrated. Our relationship with God isn't the way it should be. It becomes strained. And when our relationship with God isn't right, then it's going to affect our relationship with other people. 
Those are the relationships that are going to suffer. We have to allow God to remove it all. Start fresh with a renewed heart. Give us this desire to live for His will. To live for Him. Ever we got to be cleaned up. The Bible says it like this. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We don't have to walk around and feel defeated and full of shame. When we have Christ, when we're in Christ, as Paul says, we can be confident in the fact that we are forgiven. Your sin has been removed forever. As far as the east is from the west. You are a new creation. Your past does not control your present or your future. The next few verses say this. All this is from God. Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Not counting people's sins against them. It's all God's gracious gift. It's all from him. That means that getting past our past is not something we can do on our own. We can't overcome our mistakes. We can't make up for them by doing good things, no matter how many good things we want to try and do. God has already done it. He's reconciled us to him. Our sin, it breaks our relationship with God. But his, le- his love reigns over us, over our sin, and makes us righteous. Cross. When we confess our sin, I like to have confession in our services every so often. When we confess and receive that forgiveness, we experience a restored relationship. Automatically, we're forgiven. The love of the risen Jesus reigns in us. We're made new. Not only that, but then we become conduits of his reigning love for other people that we encounter, other people in our lives. God is interested in the whole world being reconciled to him. He doesn't want anyone to have a life weighed down by their past, to be shackled by shame or guilt. God offers this grace through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now we're called ambassadors. That's what it says. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. A love for God is better caught than taught. People want to see us living God's love out. We can tell people all day about being a Christian and what it's like to have our past wiped away. There are people who don't want to be lectured. They want to see 
You live God's love out and what it means to you. If they see, if they just encounter that joy, the joy of God that comes and flows out of you from knowing God. And the freedom from being united with Christ in your life. Then they're going to feel something. The Holy Spirit works in unbelievers' lives to stir up. Something's, something's different about that person. So that they may be reconciled with God as well. You know, love for God is contagious. People want to hear that it means something to you. Think about maybe you have a hobby or a passion for something. Maybe it's family, grandkids always do that. But when you have something that you're passionate about, and you start talking about it, people understand. You get me talking about fishing, and my passion starts flaming up. When we really love God, and His love is truly reigning in our lives, talking about Him and celebrating His love, it just becomes second nature. Jesus wants to make His appeal to the world through the way we live. Our last verse says, God made Him who had no sin be our sin for us, so that we that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God took our sin. Jesus took our sin, our mistakes, our brokenness, past shame, and was nailed on that cross with Jesus. That's it. An incredible exchange that takes place on the cross of Jesus at Calvary. Jesus takes our wrong way of living, and we're given the righteousness of God. The Greek meaning behind this righteousness is the idea that we're approved in the, the eyes of God. His righteousness is this divine appeal to us. And when we're united with Christ, God doesn't see our sinful past. He looks through the blood of Jesus and sees us as forgiven. Seems to be too good to be true. Like Lois said, we just have to receive it. But that's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I re recently heard a story about a company, a cake mix company. They had this great new idea. We're going to come out with a cake mix. All you need is water. That's all you need. It's going to make people's lives so easy. They can make a cake, just water. We're going to, we're going to make money. We're going to become rich. They rolled it out with a big campaign and nothing. People could not, they didn't trust. I can't, you can't make a good cake with just adding water. It's not, it's not going to be any good. We got to do something. They changed the recipe and put, add one egg with the water. And guess what? It took off. People didn't trust that. That's all you needed was water. <laughs> the good news, the gospel's too good. We don't want to believe it. Many people think we've got to add something to it. It's not. We're not required to add to it. We want to try and earn something that's priceless. Rather, we're just invited to simply receive the love of God and allow it to reign in our lives. Then and only then will we experience the joy and freedom 
of the new life that Paul's talking about here. I thought of this, I love this story. I, I reference it a lot in Bible studies, but here's a question for you. When Jesus died on the cross, who was the first saved person in heaven? If we look at the one cross, in reality, there should be three crosses. When Jesus died, there were two criminals along with him. One of the criminals who had hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said? Since you're under the same sentence, we're punished justly, for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And God's grace and God's mercy and God's love came to that condemned criminal, that lifelong criminal. How? He just asked. They said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. Everyone is accepted into the family of God based only on their faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And when we become united with Jesus through our faith, the love of God removes all that old stuff. Our sin, our shame, our guilt, our failures. Now remember, love for God is better caught than taught. People want to see us living it out. And when you're united with Jesus, if you're in Christ, through your faith, then God does not see that sinful past. He looks through the blood of Jesus and sees you as forgiven. Seems too good to be true. That's the good news of the gospel. May the love of the risen Christ reign over your past, your present, and your future. Amen.